He is the God of restoration. And we're in the middle of a sermon series called The Great Restoration because that's who he is and that's what he does. He takes what was broken and he restores it. Restores it. Not, not into what it used to be, but into what it was meant to be. What it was designed to be from the very, very, very beginning. Last week, an anointed man of God got up here in this pulpit and shared some truth. I mean, some truth, man. I mean, some truth, man. He got up and shared some gospel truth. But I got to be honest with you. Not everybody in here was trying to receive some of the truth that he was sharing. I mean, he shared about how our Redeemer lives. And I think people got that. And he shared about how people got a bushel full of problems because they don't have enough of a bushel full of Jesus. And I think people received that too. But then this anointed man of God got up here and said that I was a young man. And not everybody was trying to receive that. Matter of fact, your associate pastor, Brent Morrison, has something smart to say about the fact that Mike Beckley said that I was a young man. Apparently my body agrees with Pastor Brent. Because lately I've been falling apart. My neck's hurt. My shoulder's hurt. One of my hips is hurt. You ever have your hips start hurting, man? Golly! <laughs> and here's the worst part, right? Here's the worst part that says that maybe Mike was wrong about that one part. Maybe Brent was right. I'm not going to say that's true. But, but, but the worst part is my eyesight. Like, look, look, look. When I wake up in the morning, I see fine. Under my crystal clear, 20-20 vision. I can see anything, man. Like I wake up in the morning, I, I read my little Bible app, and, and I can see fine. Like I ride on, on the way to work, man. I see the, the beautiful colors in the sky that God painted up there, man. All the stuff. I can see everything. Just crystal clear. But by about lunchtime, after I'm staring at that stupid computer screen all day, man, I can't see nothing. I mean, all of a sudden, it's all just a blur of nothing. I mean, by about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm useless. I mean, I try to guess what stuff is. My boss will send me back an email and be like, what does this mean? I'll be like, man, I can't see it. So I have to put them stupid glasses on, right, if I'm going to be effective. But, I mean, I'm telling you, I can't see anything. But then it's weird because I go home and, and you know, and, and try to make it till bedtime, which is a battle sometimes for me. But I make it do whatever we have to do to make it till bedtime, right? And I go in the room. And I turn off the lights and I close my eyes and <laughs> magically, when I open them in the morning, I can see crystal clear all over again. So you might say that the more I see, the more blind that I am. But the more truly blind that I am, the better that I can see. Yeah, some of y'all get it, man. Some of y'all are getting there already. Some of y'all are getting there already. Some of y'all are previewing my text already. Um, do you know that there's more healings of the blind in the New Testament than any other miracle? Yeah. Yeah, see, there's, there's um, one deaf mute that's healed, right? There's two sets of lepers that are healed. There's three people that are raised from the dead. But there are five blind men that receive their... Oh, we were just talking about you. Thanks for gracing us with your presence. I hear you. Welcome. But there are five blind men who receive their sight. And I think I know why. I think it's because physical blindness is such a good representation 
of the spiritual blindness that we walk around in so much. I mean, physical blindness just represents it, man. We can't see nothing. And then all of a sudden we encounter Jesus. And then we can see him. And then by him we can see everything else. Can you say amen? And, and it's such a good representation of that, man. When we encounter Jesus, then is the only time that we can truly, truly see. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses. <laughs> but it's just because I need you to understand this story. Okay? And they're short verses. They're short verses. I'm in the book of John in chapter 9. I'm not going to talk about the miracle. Everybody knows the miracle. There was a man that was born blind, and the disciples were like, was this guy born blind because his parents sinned or because he sinned? See, some of the, the, the Jews believed that, that, you know, generational curses as far as sin, that like the, the punishment got passed down to generation to generation. There's some scripture that talks about that, but that's not what it means. I can explain that to you at a later time. And then um, that they also believed that a baby could sin while it was in the womb, <laughs> Right. And, and, and so they, they believed that maybe some of, the, some of the things that happened to you were caused by your parents' sin or by your sin. And so the disciples were like, were, yeah, were, the disciples were like, was this, uh, was this sin? Was this, you know, malfunction in his body caused by his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus was like, man, y'all are crazy. This wasn't caused by his parents' sin or by his sin. This man was in this situation so the, so the glory of God can be displayed in his life. And then so Jesus walks up to him and makes some mud with his saliva and, and then puts the mud in his eyes, goes and tells him to wash in the, in the pool of Siloam, and, uh, and, and he receives his sight. And we're not going to talk about the miracle today. We're going to talk about the aftermath of the miracle. Uh, so the title of the message is, uh, But Now I See. But Now I See. So let's start in verse 8 in John chapter 9. The Bible says this. His neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Isn't this the one that used to sit begging? And some said, He's the one. But others said, Nope, he just looks like him. And he kept saying, I'm the one. I'm the one. That's the subtitle of my message today. I'm the one. And so they asked him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and spread it on my eyes and told me to go to Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Where is he? They asked. I don't know. He said, they brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees, and that day that Jesus made the mud, the day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. Of course it was. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, and I washed him, and I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was division among them. Again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. And they asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? We know this is our son and that he was born blind, his parents answered. But we don't know how he now sees. We don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, and he'll speak for himself. His parents said these things. Because they were afraid of the Jews, since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him, that being Jesus, as, as the Messiah, they'd be banned from the synagogue. This is why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So a second time, they summoned the man that had been born blind and said, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. And he answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. I, I should have called this message, I don't know. Yo no say. I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I can see. Then they asked, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you. 
about fell down. <laughs> and you didn't listen. This part's really cool. Listen close. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? I love this guy. I love this guy. And they ridiculed him. You're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. He's like, yeah, I know. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. And then this guy speaks up again. That's an amazing thing, the man told him. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. And we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. It means he don't listen to y'all. Anyway. I made that part up. That's not in the scripture. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to them. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. That's true. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. And then the Pharisees say, you were born entirely in sin, they replied. And you're trying to teach us? And then they threw him out. We'll get to that in a minute. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And guess what he did? Yeah. And when he had found him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He asked. And Jesus answered, you've seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. I believe, Lord, he said, and then he worshipped him. And then Jesus said, I came in this world for judgment in order that those who do, not, who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Father, we come to you today just praying that we are blind to the things of the world that we see only you. God, let us look up to heaven and see you. And not just see you, but see everything else by you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a shout of praise. And you may be seated in the way of church. I told you it was a bunch of scripture, but it was worth it. Is this the guy? Is, is this the guy? And some people were like, yeah, that's the guy. And then the rest of them were like, no, that can't be the guy. He may look like him, but that can't be him. That can't be him. And then the guy speaks up and he's like, it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. I love it how it flows into the rest of scripture. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And right here, this guy says, ah, I'm the one. It says he kept saying it. He kept saying it. He kept saying, I'm the one. I'm the one who was blind. I'm the one that used to beg on the street corner. I'm the one that everyone looked and stepped over. I'm the one that the whole world looked down on. I'm the one that had nothing. I'm the one they said was born in sin. I'm the one they said was the object of the family curse. I'm not the 99. I'm the one. I'm the one that was healed. I'm the one that was delivered. I'm the one that was restored. I'm the one that was saved. I'm the one that was delivered. I am the one that was blind, but now I see. Can you say? amen I'm the one I'm the one I'm the one okay how how were you healed well there was this man named Jesus I mean how does your restoration story start I mean don't they all start the same I mean, I, 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 all of them that I know that are real, real restoration stories, they start the same, right? They start the same. Well, there was this man named Jesus. And then they're all different in the middle, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? My pathway is different than your pathway. My journey is different than your journey. But then they end the same too, right? So they start the same. There was this man named Jesus. And then they end the same. I'm saved and delivered and empowered and set free. Can you say Amen. You know why? Because he's the author and he's the finisher. 
He's the first and He's the last. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and He is the end. Can you say amen? There was a man named Jesus. And then He told me He put some mud on my eyes. And then He told me to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. And I received my sight. So basically our restoration story goes like this. There was a man named Jesus... And then he did some stuff that didn't make any sense. And then he told me to go do some stuff that didn't make any sense. And now I'm saved and delivered and set free and empowered to live for eternity in heaven. And that's what restoration looks like. I mean, that's what it looks like in the Lord. Jesus did it. I mean, that's all he knows. I mean, Jesus did it. And they're like, well, where is he now? Dude, five minutes ago, I didn't even know what where was. Where? I, I, I never seen a building before five minutes ago. I didn't know what a tree looks like. I, I wanted to be like a tree, but I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what people look like until like just like right now. What, what do you mean? Where? Where? Where is he? It didn't make any sense. I don't know where he is, but I know who he is. Let me tell you this: it doesn't matter where you go. All that matters is who you know. Can you say Amen? Yeah, man, give God praise for that. We, we're doing a lot of clapping today. It's a clappy sermon. It's a clappy sermon. Doesn't matter where you go. All that matters is who you know. Uh, here's what I know. I know that his name was Jesus. And I know that I was blind. And now I can see. I mean, that's all that I know. Let me ask you, do you know his name this morning? Do you know his name this morning? Because I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter where you go. I don't care where you come from. I don't care where you live at. I don't care where you go to church normally. It doesn't matter. All that matters is who you know. All that matters is who you know. If you know the name that's above every name. If you know the name of where healing comes from, where restoration comes from, where salvation comes from. You got to know the name. You got to know the name. man named Jesus did something to me. told me to go wash myself off in a pool. Does that sound familiar? Jesus does something to you and then he goes and tells you to duck yourself in the pool. Sounds familiar to me. And then I received my sight. I, I, I love that, that word, man, received my sight. Let me teach y'all something cool today. Everywhere in scripture, in the New Testament, where it says received my sight, it's the Greek word anablepo. Say anablepo. Hey, y'all did a good job, man. Y'all gonna be Greek scholars when I get done with you. In the coin Greek, every time that it says the word, it says the group of words receives my sight, it's the word anablepo. And what it means is look up. It means look up. So anytime you see that it says receive my sight, what it really says is they looked up. Even in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus said that, you know, uh, uh, I've been anointed to bring the word of God. Hey, let me read it. Uh, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. To set free the oppressed to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. Look up. Look up. Even, even in, uh, in Matthew 14, when he feeds the 5,000, right? When, when it says that he took the bread and he blessed it and he looked up. Same word, anablepo. Anablepo, received my sight. I looked up to heaven. I couldn't see because I was looking around me. But then all of a sudden I encountered Jesus and I looked up. And I looked up to heaven. 
And I saw not just the light of his glory, but now I see by the light of his glory. Can you say amen? I love that C.S. Lewis quote. It says, I believe Christianity is true, not just because I see Jesus, but because I see everything else by him. Can you say amen? By him. By him. You look up, man. You look up. So, man, I just want to encourage you today, man. If you're, if you're blessed by Jesus, look up. If you're stressed by the world, look up. If you've been blinded by the enemy of God, may look up and see the light of his glory shining down on you. May look up. Look up. <laughs> and I don't mean that to Scott. You ever talk to a teenager, you're like, hey, what's up? And they're like, this guy. I've got a better smart aleck answer for him, right? So if somebody says, hey, what's up? You say, Jesus is up. Jesus is up because his name is above every name. Because he's sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Because he is high and lifted up. Can you say amen? So what's up? Jesus is up. And we look up to him. And we can't see nothing if we don't look at him. And then here comes what I think is my favorite part of the scripture because they, they keep asking him over and over and over again. Tell us what happened again. Tell us what happened again. This dude's getting frustrated. He's like, I done told y'all. There was a man named Jesus and he rubbed some mud in my eyes. He told me to wash off in the pool of Siloam and now I can see. And I told you and all these people around you told you and we done told you what happened. Do you want to be his disciples too? Because here's the deal. If you want me to change my story, you're wasting your time because it's not going to happen. But if you're wanting to follow him, then let's go find him. Let's go. Anybody ever try to get you to change your restoration story? People try to get me to change mine. I was at a meeting one time at a, a recovery center up in E-Town, man, called the Serenity Club. Maybe some of y'all have heard, that, have heard of it. But anyway, I was there. And I just share, man, what, what Jesus has done in my life, man. Broke every chain in my life, set me free, radically healed me and delivered me and empowered me and made me a new creation. This is what a new life looks like. This is what a new life in Jesus Christ looks like. Yeah, man, come on. This is what a new life looks like. Come on, man. Come on. That's, that's what our new life shirts are going to say. This is a new life. So if you get one, you better live it out and walk it out. This is a new life. And one day, this, after one of those, those meetings, man, this guy pulled me aside and he said, hey, man, he said, you need to take some of the credit for your recovery. He said, you've worked hard at this. He said, and you need to take some of the credit for it. He said, man, you're the one that has worked hard. You're the one that has made those changes in your life. You're the one that has stepped up and been there for your family. Now, you're the one that has done all this. You need to take some of the credit and stop giving it all to some guy in the sky. You've heard me tell that before about the guy in the sky. That's where I got it from. Stop giving all the credit to some guy in the sky. And I was like, dude, there is no way that I'm taking one shred of the credit for who I am today. There's no way. If it was up to me, I'd still be out there. Matter of fact, I'd probably be dead somewhere. But by his grace, I've been saved. By his grace, I've been delivered. By his grace, I've been empowered. By his grace, I live and breathe and have my purpose. Come on. He wanted me to change my story so that his could be true. That's heavy, isn't it? He wanted me to change my story so his could be true. So his could be true. Because he wanted the credit for what he's done in this life. That it wasn't the grace of God. He wanted the credit. I don't want the credit. 
I don't want the credit every time that I pick up the ball and run with it, I trip and fall down and fumble. Every time. Every single time. Now, if I let Jesus run with the ball and just follow him wherever he's going, touchdown! Every time. He's a superstar. He's the MVP. It's all him. It's always been him. I'm not changing my restoration story. I never will. You could ask me 10,000 times. You could, you could threaten me with whatever you want to threaten me with and promise me whatever you want to promise me. My restoration story ain't going to change. You know why? Because it's true. It's truth. It's truth. And if you got truth, you got everything you need. If you got truth, you got life. If you got truth, you got joy. If you got truth, you got faith in Jesus. Can somebody say amen? I was quoting Mike Beckley. Like, man, that was good. That was good. I'm not changing my story. I'm not changing my story. And the guy's like, I've done told you what he did. I done told you what he did. How many times are you going to ask me? I done told you what he did. There was a man named Jesus. Really, that's all you need to know. How'd he do it? I don't really know. Why'd he do it? I don't really know. Where's he at now? I don't really know. But I'll tell you one thing. Either he's coming back here to get me or I'm going to go home to him. And that's all that really matters. I don't know. But I know his name. I know the name where restoration comes from. I know the name where healing comes from. I know the name where power comes from. I know the name where grace and mercy and love and glory come from. I know his name. And so they threw him out. They threw him out. He said, don't you come back here. You're banned from the synagogue. You're banned from this works-based life that we've got going on. Anybody ever ban you from the church? <laughs> yeah, I see some people going, yeah, yeah. Ask me not to come back. Yeah, and I don't think I've had anybody say those words, but I've, been, I've had people make it very clear that they would rather not see me there again. Very clear. You know, I've even went and preached some places to where after, I was, after it was over, they pretty much made it clear. They're like, yeah, thanks for coming. Can you please leave? You know, they threw him out. And that's what the religious folk will do. That's what the religious elite will do. If you don't say what they want you to say, you got to go. They'll throw you out. They took him and they threw him out in the street like he was trash. And they did. They took him and they threw him out in the street like he was trash. Like he meant nothing. Like he was nothing. Like he was worthless. Threw him out in the street. Because he didn't say what they wanted him to say. They, the, the Pharisees said, bring glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. What they didn't realize is that he was bringing glory to God. Because this man's not a sinner. He that knew no sin, you hear me? He that knew no sin became sin so we could be the righteousness of God. He lived a perfect life that we could never live. And, you know, we got these people out there in the culture now and people that call themselves ministry leaders and pastors going, oh, well, actually Jesus did sin. No. No. Because if he did, then his sacrifice meant nothing. Because if he did, then we are still dead in our sins. And let me share some stark truth with you right now. I'm not dead in my sins. 
I'm not dead in my sins. I'm standing here alive in Christ Jesus here today. It's no longer me that lives, but he that lives in me. Can you say amen? And I know that's true about so many of you in here. I look around and I see people that are no longer dead in their sins. And so you know what? I know it's true. He that knew no sin became sin so that me and you could become the righteousness of God. And you know what? If you're here today and you've never made that decision and you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that's available to you here today too. He that knew no sin became sin so you could become the righteousness of God. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see all that messed up junk that you did. He doesn't see all that messed up junk you're planning on doing. All he sees is the righteous blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the truth. And the Pharisees took this guy and they threw him out in the street. And you know who went and found him? The same one that'll come and find you every single time that you find yourself thrown out and ostracized and kicked out and messed up and pushed down and beat down. The same one that will come and find you went and found him. Went and found him. Went and found him. And here's the the real question. If the Pharisees couldn't see what Jesus had done in this guy's life, who was really blind? Who was really blind? The man that was born blind? Or the Pharisees that just chose to be? And if people around you can't see what Jesus has done in your life, then who's blind? Who's blind? Because if you can't see the works of God that are happening right in front of you, then you're blind. And the more you think you can see by your own strength what's going on in the world around you, The more blind that you are, the more blind that you are. And the more that you're willing to surrender yourself to the truth and grace of Jesus Christ, the more that you can see. Psalm 119 says, Lord, let your word be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm telling you, without this word of God, man, you can't see where you're going. Without the Holy Spirit in your life, man, you can't see where you're going. (laughs) And then it's like the blind leading the blind. And you know what happens then? They both fall in a pit. Amen? You don't want to be there. And so Jesus comes and finds this guy out in the gutter where they threw him. Out like trash. And the Bible says this. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and he went and found him. And he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. And Jesus answered, you have seen him. Isn't that beautiful? Never seen anything before in his life. But now he's seen the Son of Man, who is also the Son of God. Son of Man is is a title of the Messiah, in case you don't know. It's a title of the Anointed One, the Christ, the Savior. You've seen him. And in fact, he is the one speaking to you now. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. This is the first time in the Bible 
where a person that was born blind is given their sight. The very first time. Now this was prophesied in the Psalms and in Psalm uh, 146, it says the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. It was prophesied about in Isaiah 35, 5. It says that the eyes of the blind will be opened. And, and this is the first time in Scripture that a person born blind is ever healed. And you know who did it? Well, there was this man named Jesus. There was this man named Jesus. And all this is happening right here in front of the Pharisees' face. And they should be praising God that the prophecies have come true. And instead, they're blind to the works of God. You know why? Because all they see is themselves. It's, it's weird. I had this sermon planned for several weeks, but I seen a preacher preach last weekend. A very, a different, different blind man scripture, but very similar. And, and he said that Pharisee, it's funny how it ends with I see. It does. The word Pharisee ends with I see. Yeah, they see by their own strength. They see by their own life. They see with their own eyes. And you know what that means? They can't see nothing. They can't see nothing. The religious leaders treated this man awful. They ridiculed him. They judged him. They rejected him. But Jesus encouraged him. Jesus restored him. And then Jesus accepted him. You know, he sees you today because nothing can blind Jesus you know he wants to restore you today and why would he want to restore a broke down sinner like you because that's who he is and it's what he does he wants to save you today so let me ask you do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in the one who is and was and is to come? Do you have a story in your life that starts with there was a man named Jesus? And then ends with you being restored and redeemed and set.